Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Since 1966, the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences has awarded the Emmy for Outstanding Drama Series to more than 30 TV shows. Some have won the honor once, some up to four times, the most any series has ever won. While the bar has been significantly raised on what constitutes top-tier television, all of the shows to receive the Best Drama Series honor deserve consideration. And so, the great pop culture debate wants to determine what is the best TV series to win the Emmy for Best Drama? Tell Dr. Doug Ross that I'm waiting in the ER, because I'll be his baby tonight. I'm your host, Eric Resniak. Please help me welcome my panel, who are in no way endorsed by this or any academy. In a world full of Peggy's and Betty's, she remains a Joan. It's the panel's favorite redheaded goddess, Kate Reculia. Eric, go home, take a paper bag, and cut some eye holes out of it. Put it over your head, get undressed, and look at yourself in the mirror. Really evaluate where your strengths and weaknesses are. Be honest. Um, that's how I spend most of my Saturday nights. <laughs> Thank you, Kate. You're welcome. And scene. And scene. He needs to book a follow-up appointment with Dr. Melfi to discuss his recurring dream about fucks. I mean, ducks. It's Kevin Dillon. Hey, bada bing, gabagool. Hey, yay, yay. I'm offended as an Italian. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I'm, sorry. I'm a, Italian. No, I'm, I'm not. Itali- oh, fine. I'm Italian too. I had chicken parm for dinner. <laughs> I had chicken parm for dinner. I'm an honorary Italian. Yeah. And lastly, our extra special guest panelist drinks from the keg of glory. Please welcome to the podcast, Steve Nikoloff. I bring the finest muffins and bagels in all the land. And honestly, a muffin sounds amazing right now, so I'm going to take you up on that. So for those listening, this is a special Patreon-sponsored episode. Our top-tier Patreons get to pick a mini-so topic for us to cover each year and also get to select the panel. Steve, why did you select Best Drama Series winner as your topic? Well, first and foremost, I'm an award show junkie. Uh, I can't get enough of award shows for the most part, and I can't explain why. I don't know if it's latent narcissism or the, my love of gold statues or something along those lines. But uh, but I particularly like the Emmys. I, I watch a lot of TV, I'm not going to lie. And um, so this really spoke to me, especially after you guys have done a couple other best, you know, best picture, best comedy series. I thought drama needed to get its due. It's a great point. And you are in very good company with the people on this uh, show, this episode, who watch a lot of television and are also weirdly award show obsessed. I mean, Kevin is the most award show obsessed person I've ever met in my life. It's true. I have been on Gold Derby probably since like 1998 and like predicting award shows and doing all that good stuff. And I get very competitive and I win. All the time. <laughs> Which is going to make a really fun episode. And I'll remind Kevin that our Patreon is our special guest, so he has to be nice. I'm going to be on my best behavior tonight. I'll Thank try. you, sweetie. Oh, I really hope you don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't ask for things that you don't want to put up with. <laughs> if you ask, I will deliver. <laughs> <laughs> so FYI, there are actually two more of the top tier Patreon slots that are now open. So if you're interested in sponsoring a debate, head over to Patreon. 
Patreon and become one of our best supporters ever now. So how does this work? Since this is a mini-sode, there was no public poll. Our panelists went through the 30-plus winners for Outstanding Drama Series in the history of the Aries. We individually ranked our top 15s, and from that, we created seedings based on those scores with the top 16 overall making the bracket. Now, we argue about it and insult each other, all for your amusement. Want to play along at home? You can go to greatpopculturedebate.com and find the polls and brackets tab. There you'll find the listener bracket for this and every episode. Make a copy for yourself. That is super important. I keep getting these Gmail alerts. Somebody wants to share this document. No, make a copy. Um, Fill it out and see if your picks match up with ours. I will also start by saying that there were a few shows that I was generally surprised did not make the bracket for us that had won the Emmy for Best Drama Series, Succession. Um, I think I was the only person to put succession on my picks. And I was curious from the panel, did you not consider it a drama? I thought that may be the issue. Anyone want to chime in there? I haven't. I watched one episode and I was like, the times are too dark. All these people hate each other. Normally, this is my jam. Rich people being terrible. But I just I haven't watched it. So that's why. (laughs) I'll be honest. Me me too. I, I just I don't know. I watched an episode or two. And I didn't get into it. And then everyone told me how good it was. And I just, there's so much on TV right now. I've never made it back to watch it. But I will say, I do hope at some point to go and watch it now that season three is coming out. Yeah. And I know Kevin watches it because he and I watched it together. I love it. Yeah. I was curious. I don't think it made your bracket either, Kevin. It didn't, you know what it is? It's like, it's that, you know me, I'm very anti-recency bias. And so I think I intentionally didn't put it on because it's like, it is two seasons in. I do think it's fantastic. I I just, I'm not sure that we're at a legacy point yet with the show. This third season is coming out soon and I think we'll get there. Uh, I know, I I know based on the posters that we will get there. Good Lord. The poster of Jerry (laughs) and Kieran uh, Kieran Culkin's character, like looking at each other in this, like Harold and Maude kind of way. I was like, oh, I'm in, I'm in. Honestly, that that poster made me want to go back and watch it more than the episodes that I watched. <laughs> I will also say this. If you watched an episode or two from season one, the tone of season one is very different from the tone of season two. Season one, they kind of lean a little bit more into broad comedy, especially with the Tom Gregg stuff. Um that's still there in season two, but it's much darker and much sharper. I, I mean, Kevin, am I wrong? Do you feel like there's a tonal shift? Yeah, I think they're leaning into the farce of it all a little bit, but in a darker way. I still am waiting for those two to have sex. I mean, it has to happen. I really need it. I need I cousin think before Gre- the end of the show. It has to. Um, But no, I think you're right. I think it really veers into like the Kendall of it all and the darkness of that character. Um, And I'm not going to spoil any part of season one because the way season one ends builds into the darkness. I'll just say that. And like it is it is a really you have to if you you have to go in it knowing that they're terrible it's like watching Vanderpump Rules if you were ever a Vanderpump Rules person (laughs) they're all just awful human beings and you just have to get on board with that or jump off the train it's normally I dig that but yeah it just I and I could kind of tell too I was like if I just stick with this it's gonna pay off and I'm gonna love it right but I just hadn't I think it's hard to evaluate a show that's still airing too Yeah. yeah because I mean, there's a few, none of the shows on our bracket are still on the air. And it, there's also, 
a, a a couple shows on here that if it was still airing i would have probably advanced it but now knowing how it ends yeah. i'm like ugh, you know so it's i think it's hard to evaluate even the crown i mean granted i loved season four i mean i think everyone did but we're getting a whole new cast so it's hard to say you know what's going to happen as we move forward yeah and i do want to address that uh particular uh not elephant what is it clydesdale what are the uh i don't know uh, corgi the corgi it's a corgi in the, in the room. room yes <laughs> oh, i wish there were a corgi in this room <laughs> Right. You will not find the, the crown on this bracket. We started working on this episode before the Emmys took place in 2021. So we did not know they had uh, won that honor at that point. Uh, so just put it out of your mind. Ignore it. Just like the royal family does with Prince Edward. So um, <laughs> moving on, uh, I was also surprised that nobody else voted for Handmaid's Tale. Uh, I was curious if anybody had any thoughts on that. I will. I did not rank it very high. I can only get through the first season and maybe a quarter of Handmaid's Tale because it same, is- same. I watched the first season and I was just like, I, I love that book. I love that book. And I actually thought the first season was a really interesting work of adaptation, but watching it when it came out in the moment that it did, I was like, this feels clarifying, but I was like, I can't go there. I can't continue to live in this fictional world. And, and I think just from what I've picked up from the discourse that like the show has not, has, it, it has continued, but it has not necessarily advanced or grown as a show. I will say, I will say to that, Kate, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that season one with the source material definitely had a, a trajectory that they were on. Yeah. Seasons two and three really, I mean, really, it got dark and back yeah. and forth and floundered. But then I will say season four, the most recent season, was excellent. And so... Again, I think it goes to this idea that it's really hard to evaluate a show that's still airing. And running, yeah. Yeah, that's such a great point that you, that both you and Kevin have brought up. And I'm immediately flashing, and, and we'll get into this later, but like Game of Thrones and Lost, both of them are on this list. Both yep. of them are these brackets. And I think you have to have that conversation. Uh, are we looking at the seasons in particular that won? Or mm-hmm. are we looking at how yeah. it was overall? Yep, didn't yeah. stick the landing, et cetera, versus this is, transcendent yep, season. Exactly. Yep. This is one of the things that I have been uh, discussed with with listeners who are like, you all need to be more transparent about your rubric, about why you're voting for certain things. So I was like, thank you. I will Thanks take the feedback. No, it is, it's actually very good feedback. And, and I know I, I came in and, and was acting like I was pissy about that, but I wasn't. It's actually like, no, you're right. You, like, we need to explain where we're coming from in this. But as we're going through these battles, I think that's something for us to keep in mind. Like, are you thinking strictly about the seasons that won or are you thinking about the show overall? And generally Eric, with me, yes, sir. You could be just as lazy as the Emmy voters and give no reason to how they pick the people <laughs> and just rubber stamp thing. Isn't that how you do it? That's you just pick the same show for every award. Thanks, Emmy voters, the last two years. Just say modern family, Kevin. Oof. Oh, I would not know. Uh, modern fa- oh, don't even get me started on that show. Uh, the other two that I was surprised did not make it onto our brackets were L.A. Law and Cagney and Lacey, a little bit older. Um, but I also know that my panel wanted to briefly talk about shows that they were surprised actually never won the Emmy for Best Drama Series. Kevin, did you have something that you want to talk about specifically? Well, we have for so the one thing that always like is a is a stain on the Emmys is like and and I know this is one of those things that always gets said is that The Wire was never nominated for yeah, drama series. Mm-hmm. And that is it's just the, the Emmys hate 
hate David Simon. They hate him. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't nominate any of his shows. He also did The Plot Against America. And I understand why that show did not get nominated. It's about what if a white supremacist was elected to the White House? And what it was if? during the Trump. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I get that one. But The Wire was so good. I think The Wire just honestly shows their bias against shows centered around black folks. Um, but I guess I'm kind of surprised that Downton Abbey never won the drama series. Hmm. It's interesting. I it don't think it very ever much beat like, the limb. Oh, sorry, Kate, go ahead. I was just going to say, it seems very much like Emmy bait. It exactly. Yeah. It won limited series. It didn't break out of the limited series. I think people right. always thought about it like that. I mean, I wish The Good Wife had won. That is a wish, but that never did. Because that is the like last great network tv show to be nominated sorry this is us uh no you're not right. sorry heaven you're right, but the good wife i mean that one season i think it was season five where like everyone was like jumping on the like i don't want to spoil it for people who've never watched but like the josh charles story the christine barantz then it was just such a good season i think that was the last season of breaking bad though so it was never going to win but mm-hmm. It, that would have been the one that I would have been excited for on this list is The Good Wife. Kate, what about you? I, The Americans. Mm. What an accomplishment that television show from beginning to end. Uh, talk about shows that stick the landing. There are times during my regular day when I'm just walking around and I'll hear um, a certain U2 song and just like be unable yeah. to function. <laughs> For like five or ten minutes, incredible talking show about the album that kept that keeps appearing on my iPhone, even though I've deleted it. <laughs> no, <laughs> not, not the Ghost U two album. The okay. correctly deployed. I think it's it's with or without you. Yes, that's what it is. It's mm. so great, 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 great show. Um, and also Deadwood, like yeah. Deadwood ended in a weird place. I actually still haven't seen the movie. Um, but such a such a, an incredible TV show that just never. I don't think it got any. I mean, people were like, you should watch Deadwood, but I think it was a little impenetrable for some people. Um, But those are my two that I wish had gotten a little more love. Steve, what about you? Any thoughts? Uh, I don't want to piggyback on Kevin, but it, 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 and, and I don't want to go against my own rules of not talking about shows that have not stopped airing, but my God, how has the good fight been nominated for nothing? I don't understand that. I, I, I don't. Christine Baranski is a goddess. I don't understand the fact that her only Emmys are for that Sybil Shepherd show. No, really. I actually love that show. Though. <laughs> oh, I loved the show and I loved her character Marianne. But my God, if that doesn't limit her abilities as an actress, it's it's so good. The Good Fight. I mean, the the first season was a little uneven. They didn't know what to do with the whole like Bernie Madoff storyline. But once they got rid of that and they really leaned into this sort of, for lack of a better term, the Trump years, man, that show really just, fa- I think it's better than The Good Wife on some levels. It is. I agree. Yeah, yeah I you actually never agree. Find- a bigger supporter of the good fight than Kevin. He's oh, a Kevin, you and I are cut from the same cloth then because oh, I, I can't get enough of that show. Awesome. Anything else for you? No, that's it. Okay. There was one that just came to my mind, and of course it's already gone. So with that, uh, <laughs> let's just get on to the debates. Uh, for the first time in the history of the great pop culture debate, we have <gasps> unanimous panelist picks on six 
out of the eight <laughs> round one matchups. Damn, never happens. But uh, so even though we will be breezing through by the initial, the actual vote without actual voting here, we're still going to give you some arguments since that's presumably why you're listening to this show. <laughs> um, and so we will be touching on some of the ones that we nixed. First up, AMC's Mad Men, a four-time Best Drama Series winner, didn't need any fancy ad campaign to easily knock out CBS's two-time winner, Lou Grant. And I think, Kevin, you wanted to mention a little bit about Lou Grant before we moved on. Yeah, just briefly. I think that it was really great to see James L. Brooks transition into... It's not even really, it's not a dramedy, a drama that really highlights um, some of the depth and breadth of his work. I've not seen all of Lou Grant, but I've seen episodes of it. I I feel like I watched it at my grandparents' house in like reruns. Um, But like that was their kind of gig. They liked shows about like journalism and like exposing the truth. And, And that was kind of what, not even kind of, that was what that show did. It took the like silliness and loveliness of Mary Tyler Moore and turned this kind of Lou Grant and Mary Tyler Moore is very dour. He's very like curmudgeonly and cranky. Yeah. I hate spunk. And in this, he's like very nurturing, but firm. And there's like a tenderness to him that I think you actually kind of see evolve in the Mary Tyler Moore show, but this show really, yeah, towards the end, this show really employs this, which I think is a brilliant shift because you rarely see the comedy spinoff turned into a drama. Like that doesn't happen. And, and Ed Asner, I think was the first person to win for playing the same character in both comedies and drama and drama. Oh, that's um, cool. That's good trivia. Yeah. And that's like impressive. And he's just an impressive feat. And he carries this show on his back in large way. But I remember like really liking the supporting cast. That's where I first, I think I first saw Nancy Marchand, although it might have been the remake of Sabrina. And I was obsessed with her in that movie. (laughs) She played their mother and she was so good. Oh, I loved her in that. And um, the other thing that's also fascinating about this is the way it was canceled. Allegedly it was canceled because of Ed Asner's politics, him being, um, uh, vocally opposed to U.S. government policies in Central America, um, which I think is fascinating. And I, I mean, it was a CBS show, so of course it, it probably was canceled for that. Um, but they alleged low r- ratings, which the ratings for this show, this I feel like was kind of as prestige as you got in the beginning. This was, I would say, the first maybe genuinely U.S.-based prestige Emmy winner, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I look at I looked at the list going back to 1950, and it wasn't called Outstanding Emmy until 1966, and it was a lot of like Playhouse 90 and like right. some, some really like you're like really like her. Like, that, that was the stuff that was. <laughs> and, have a great personality, <laughs> exactly, and gravity. But um, Lou Grant was, I think, the first one that could be considered prestige. So I, I'm glad that we gave him. It's moment in the sun, and also on this podcast, we stand at Asner. He yes, is we do. R.I.P. R.I.P. So sad. Uh, although a great life and an amazing career. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
So next up, NBC's The West Wing, a four-time Best Drama Series winner, won the popular vote over ABC's 30-something, a one-time Best Drama winner, causing that show to go into a total meltdown by questioning all of its life decisions. So before we move forward, I will speak a little bit on behalf of 30-something. 30-something came out right when I was starting to become actually involved in popular culture in a real way. Um, I remember it winning, and it was kind of a surprise win because it was not a rating success. Um, it was that kind of the, the little show that could. Um, I do think it was very much a show of its time and kind of gave us or normalized the neurotic boomer adult, right? Um, and mm-hmm. I, I think it like it became that show about just ordinary people living ordinary lives and struggling and trying to figure out what the fuck they were doing as they cruised down that highway to a midlife crisis. <laughs> um, and now that's everywhere, right? I mean, you yeah. can, countless shows have, have, have kind of taken that, that setup. How um, many midlife crises ended up in little Timmy's snow globe though? Uh, uh, that's a great point. <laughs> that's a great point. Is that what won that year? Uh, no, no, no. I, that's the, the final episode of 30 something. I don't think it was their final episode, Oh my God. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Which also t- never won the best <laughs> I mean, Emmy for best drama, which surprised yeah. me because I assumed yeah. St. Elsewhere had. I feel like I should walk away from this podcast right <laughs> no, now. I'm you're so fine. sorry. I will say also as it, as to 30 something, it was also the first time we saw characters really graduate from supporting roles to lead roles. Um, as they kind of figured mm. out who was good. I don't mean that, but like Patricia Wedding, for instance, was the first yeah. person to really, well, she won supporting actress for that role. And then she won lead actress not too long after that, kind of like some other people who I might talk about later in this podcast. But, um, you know, the, 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 it was a show that was willing to adapt to the storyline as opposed to trying to force a storyline down the road. That's a great way of looking at it. Yeah, it it definitely seemed like a more low key type of show than many of the ones that are on here, which I think have a very strong narrative drive. And maybe that's just because, again, I was only quasi aware of it and was not as like it, I was probably a early teen when that was on as opposed to a 30 something, which would be the, the target demographic. But I didn't feel like it was as um, intense of a show. That's is, this a- the fir- is it the first like I hate to use this term because it's pejoratively used. Is it the like first like kind of like soapy adjacent winner? You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. It honestly might be like the only one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe picket fences, but I mean, that's not really soapy. I can't, but it's not like brothers and sisters or something like that ever won. Or like the soapy ones tended to get, lumped into the comedy category mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. or they were a literal a literal nighttime soap like dallas which oh. yeah oh or, or dynasty or dynasty dynasty oh, this is a dynasty landing. house this is a dynasty <laughs> yeah. Eric loves very, dynasty very, i have actual pillows i've never talked about this on the podcast my couch oh, actual alexis and crystal throw pillows and people are like is it okay if i sit on alexis's face and i'm like alexis would want you to sit on <laughs> Um, and that's the truth. But all that said, let's moving on. Uh, HBO's The Sopranos, which won two Best Drama Series trophies, had more than enough bada bing to quit the Brits of PBS's Upstairs Downstairs, a three-time drama series winner. Steve, you wanted to say something in defense of the many different stairs in the show. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I just think that so many people don't even know what this show is. But 
without upstairs downstairs we wouldn't have gosford park and we wouldn't have downton abbey you know it's 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 the show that launched a thousand shows if if you will for sort of that british sector of what we view in america at least used to be via masterpiece theater for the most part um and i I just think it, it needs its due as the first drama that 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 kind of made it stateside to really portray the 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 class struggle between between the upstairs and the downstairs and and and, but but yet to look at the lives very intricately of all of them and i i just think that a lot of people love down nabby and if they went and watched upstairs downstairs i think they would be find out that this is not a new concept yeah it's a great point do we know if that's streaming anywhere i don't you know what? You know where it might be, and I and I haven't. There's um, oh, a BritBox. I Brit wonder Box. if it's on oh, Brit, BritBox. Yeah, I bet question. it is. Do you know what we're gonna do? You can watch it. It's on Amazon Prime. Stop it! Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's amazing! I'd love to watch that. I actually have that. Um, I mean, duh. And on uh, Hulu. Okay, have Hulu too. And and what we're going to do, folks, by the way, is we will, when we publish this on our website, we will actually show wh- like where you can watch these shows. I'm not going to remember saying that until I'm listening to this episode in my car and saying, oh, <laughs> shit, I forgot to put those up. But I will. So give me like a week and we'll put that up there for you. Uh, so thank you, Steve. That's very helpful. Um, we were not unanimous in our next matchup with AMC's Breaking Bad, a two-time winner, receiving three quarters of the panel votes. But Kate wants to plead the case for NBC's Law and & Order and its sole Best Drama Series victory. I will blow smoke for Walter White's cautionary tale while Kate explains why Law & Order is more than just a patented procedural. Uh, and Kate, you're going to go first. Talk about iconic Mm, take a drink break so you know when i was uh kind of looking into law and order and thinking about how i was going to make this argument and i did the way i made my arguments was what is the influence of this show and i did think about the whole show not just the season that won so that's really interesting that people mentioned that previously um so what is how how does this show predict or influence the rest of television that came after it what is the artistic achievement of the show itself aesthetically and then my own completely subjective feelings um so in terms of like influence law and order's influence is so wild for us to think about it being like an emmy drama award winner i was like really because like so much of tv we think of now as these kind of prestige auteur shows that get the emmy for best drama but law and order arguably it's been on since 1990 (laughs) like that's a long effing time has shaped so much about what we think procedural shows are legal shows are cop shows like it it feels sort of like that's its defining first innovation like dick wolf (laughs) dick wolf (laughs) was like (laughs) what if you what if you had a cop show and a legal show what if they were the same show chung chung and like (laughs) the reese's peanut butter cup of procedural television ladies and gentlemen it's so brilliant and like from so much sprang fully formed from the head of og law and order svu criminal intent it ultimately gave us mariska hargitay as olivia benson and chris maloney as the internet's thirst object like Mm. And in the OG version, Jerry Orbach, Sam Waterston, so many incredible, so many incredible people. Could you criticize the show for the way that it upholds a cultural narrative that consistently humanizes policing forces without looking at policing itself as systemically oppressive, particularly of black or brown communities? Oh, yes, you could. (laughs) 
But all that to say, it is incredibly influential. I have watched so much Law & Order at the gym. It always soothes me and gives me probably too easily a feeling of law and justice being served and or not served. And those are my highly subjective feelings. Now, I think Law & Order as a defining influential force of television, I don't think you get Breaking Bad until you have Law & Order first. So... Think about that. Fair point. I think that's an interesting. I, it's an interesting <laughs> argument. I'm Come at sure, me. I'm not sure I'm buying it, but I will say this. First of all, one of NBC's biggest mistakes in the history of that network was canceling original recipe Lawn Order. Like, well, now it's yeah, coming yeah. back. I know it's coming back. Yep. back yeah. But like, what were you thinking? Like, even if it's not doing well for a couple years, just do some casting changes and you're going to figure it out. Like that show had had peaks and valleys before cutting bait on it. Wild to me. And I, like, I remember at the time, literally like pop culture critics being like, you are so stupid. What are you doing? Um, I'm sure it's partially because it's just like syndicated up the wazoo. It lost some of its like allure. This is just me like talking out of my butt. I don't actually know. Like, but like, but it, you're right. Like it is an institution the way for better or for the worse. The Simpsons is an institution about they, American television. They lost the casting magic for that show. They did they, for a while. That it, it, it was just something... I don't know why, I, because maybe they were too focused on Law and Order SVU, yeah. which like, but they had the same cast for a really long time. And he, but even that show did a good job of like recasting folks yes. for the most part. Yes. Um, I will, I mean, I'm still a Maloney fan, but Law and Order, like once you lost, um, once you lost, obviously Jerry Orbach passed away, but like once you, they were too hell bent. Like people wanted to leave that show because they were like, I'm going to be a movie star. Sorry, yeah. Benjamin Bratt, you weren't going to become a movie star. Um, but like, I mean, you had him, you had Jesse L. Martin, you had all these like really talented, I say lean into your Broadway, New York based people. Yes. Bring, Sam, yes. bring Sam Waterston back. Yes. Make him the yes. DA. Yes. Make it, yes. make it a New York. It is a New York show shot in New York. Make and it New make York it about show. the problems of policing and the law. Yes. You'll never get that from Dick Wolf, but, but no. do that and you've got a good show on your hands. They had a real problem on that show with casting a second district attorney. Yes. They were yes. trying for, I don't like after after Jill Hennessy left, Carrie Lowell was good. She's great. Angie Harmon was fine. Yep. But after that, holy moly, what oh, were Elizabeth, doing? Elizabeth Rom. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm a lesbian. I'm a That's lesbian. why you fired me. Is this because what? I'm a lesbian? I'm a lesbian. Chung chung. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> uh, but uh, all that being said, I actually think part of what makes Law and Order such a magical show was the fact that it was a rotating cast yes. of characters. Yeah. Yes. That's and, true. Like, just what a dumb decision to cancel that. Mm-hmm. And I do think. Think yeah. it harms its legacy ultimately but That's i'm here to talk about breaking bad so <laughs> why should breaking bad advance here um first i will say because it came out of nowhere like vince gilligan was not really a creator that people knew he was not a known property like before this show he had just done some x-file stuff and like the lone gunman spinoff but he was not exactly like known as an auteur right and here comes this show on amc which had just started to become like legits with walking dead and Mad Men, and they were looking for like we need to get some legs we need another big one and here comes this show about a school teacher who decides to become a meth kingpin 
what? Like, <laughs> and that's amazing, right? That's like high concept stuff. And it was so out of nowhere, but it was so good. And I think, frankly, and we, again, you were talking earlier, am I looking at the seasons that won or am I looking at the series as a whole? I'm looking at both because, in my opinion, Breaking Bad does not have a bad season. Breaking Bad is consistently good. It starts off a little bit shaky as, again, they're trying to figure out that tone. But then it gets harrowing towards the end. Once you bring in Gus, once you bring in, like, uh, you start getting into the stuff with Saul and that whole Mike Ermatrout! Like, it is terrific television. And I think what also makes it so special is you had career defining roles for actors who had been around for a while and in kind of a bunch of different places. Brian Cranston was best known as the dopey dad on Malcolm in the Middle. And he became like a legit actor from this show. Aaron Paul, I think, was kind of like a second banana in some teen shows legit actor Kristen Ritter got her her start really with this show in my opinion uh Giancarlo Esposito um Jonathan Banks Bob Odenkirk I'm also going to give a shout out to Anna Gunn who I think was really terrific in a role that many found to be unsympathetic and I do think looking back on that now there's a lot of misogyny in the way people do sure was very ugly and I think she's actually a very gifted actress and was excellent in that role so for me though what is actually amazing about Breaking Bad and I was seeing it while it was happening I was like all of these dumb white people are just like yeah Walter White go I'm like you're rooting for Lex Luthor you get that right like this is not he's not the hero he's not even an anti-hero this is a show about a super villain who like <laughs> he's dealt a really crappy hand of cards but he takes that and he breaks bad and basically becomes a terror for his community and destroys almost everything his family his friends everything. oh my god eric it's your emperor palpatine argument all over again <laughs> is, he's not coming to do literally that. coming problem. back to bite you <laughs> exactly but he didn't intend like he his intention was not to become this drug kingpin he kind of lucked into it he just happened to be very good at it um whereas palpatine knew what he was doing and that's why i maintain (laughs) to this day robbed queen um but you know seriously i i always thought that the greatest trick that this show did was getting everybody to root for ultimately a truly bad human being and no one it kind of like dexter like i'm like no wait like at least dexter was killing other bad people but walter white's concocting meth which is being sold kids like let's let's be look at this clearly so um for that reason i think it is um an amazing uh coup de gras of this show to, to kind of pull that off and it's also a sad commentary on 21st century america and for that reason i think it's Ooh. a fantastic emmy winner um so i thought you were going to say for meth you were going to vote for it but that is also a good reason i'll pass on that one but okay. i do want to go to votes steve where are you on this I'm I'm with you, Eric. I'm still with Breaking Bad. And actually, I just really want to quickly say, how has Better Call Saul never won an Emmy? Mm. Yeah, it's sorry. It's actually, I know we're going backwards, but man, holy crap! I didn't even think about that. But no, I'm with Breaking Bad. Okay, you did a good job on Law and Order, Thank and you. I agree with you. Thank you. But is it the best drama? Uh, I don't know. I guess I just think of Law and Order as good as it is as television Pringles. And I yeah. look at mm-hmm. uh, Breaking Bad as a uh, supreme stuffed potato. That's how I'm yes. describe You are not wrong. You are not wrong. Um, and now I want a potato. I, uh, <laughs> like, I, I'm going to stick with Law and Order just because, like, 
the misogyny around Breaking Bad, I effing love this show, but like there's something about it that feels really gross to me now. Um, I get that. I get that. Yeah. Um, even though it is an absolutely gorgeous, beautifully made, as, as, if we're talking about an aesthetic achievement, it's stunning. It is. Also, Danny Trejo's head on a fucking turtle. Oh <laughs> my God. <laughs> There's so many parts of this show that my jaw just hit the floor um, in terms of like, I can't believe this is what's happening on my television and I'm so in it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just going to I'm going to stick with Law and Order. Just just, you know, just because <laughs> Kevin Dillon. I, I'm going to stick with Breaking Bad, but I do want to say and point out something that you said, Kate. Um, I think the reason I like Better Call, I like Better Call Saul better than ba- Breaking Bad um, is because of the character of Kim Wexler is actually an agency-driven mm-hmm. character. Yeah. And it's it's like Gilligan, le- Vince Gilligan leveling up and understanding what he created um, yeah. With, yeah. with the toxicity or what cre- came out of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very um, passive, but yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, how does Leah um, Seymour not have an Emmy too? Oh, don't even <sighs> nominate her. You cowards, Emmy voters. If you're listening to this, I will come to your homes and I will scream at you, but yes, breaking back. Uh, well, there you go. So we will advance breaking bad. I'm sorry, Kate law and order. Oh, that's is... fine. It's fine. Chachunged. Chachung. Uh, <laughs> next, we were unanimous in preferring NBC's ER with one win to Showtime's Homeland, also with one win. But Steve wanted to say something about Homeland, and we swear it is not a covert terrorist plot. <laughs> I think, right, Steve? Great. Well, I mean, I don't have NSA clearance, but, okay. you know, no, in all seriousness, Homeland was one of those shows that, like, I talked about at the beginning where it's hard to evaluate a show until it ends. And if we were basing this off a of Homeland season one, it was riveting. Yeah. I mean, Homeland season everyone was talking about it, and 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 Brody and and all the worst decision that show ever made was not killing Brody at the end of season one. Yeah, I, I don't know what they were doing, but I mean, Damian Lewis, like he was a real charmer. I get it. But holy, holy, did that show fall off the rails. But yet it doesn't discount the performances of Claire Danes or Mandy Patinkin or the other people, F. Murray Abraham, who were on that show and did great work. It was one of those shows that just didn't feel like it knew where to go after season one. But I don't want to discount the fact that we don't have water co- water cooler shows the way that we used to. And that was one of them. And I think it deserves a little recognition for that. Yeah, and I'm so glad that we did. I love that point about water cooler shows. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. in a work from home environment, I don't know how that works. <laughs> uh, but no, Eric, what are you talking about? I have a water cooler in my house. <clears throat> I think with binge TV, we lost that, right? Because yeah. you can just yeah. through the whole thing, and then people are like, but you don't have those weeks. I mean, like, what's going to happen? Like, I distinctly remember. We'll get there in a second, but having very intense conversations at Mass General Hospital about what's going to happen on Game of Thrones next yeah. week right yeah. and yeah. you don't get that with bingeable shows and i well, think and that eric means- if i made to your point that there's there's a real there are shows that deserve binging and there are shows that deserve some time to sit for a week i just think back yes. to your argument about sense eight during mm-hmm. the canceled too soon and how that might have done better at hbo yeah and i think that that's yeah. a valid point is sometimes mm-hmm. you need that time in between episodes to really sit with something and think about it. Yeah. It's like a stew. It needs to develop. Mm-hmm. Yep. And like the Americans. Bourguignon, if you yeah. will. 
The Americans is very much that kind of show. Like you can't yes. binge that show. No. Um, and it's in, it's better if you don't binge that show. That's <laughs> yeah. true. But, yeah. but you can binge Breaking Bad. I you don't can. know what that's about. Yeah. And most I watched people the, did. Yeah, I watched the whole thing in like a summer. Yeah. <laughs> the thing the thing with Homeland jumping into this too, it's the only Showtime show on this list uh, because Showtime is terrible and does run its shows into the ground. Yes. Um, Showtime executives, please listen to this. Just because a show is notes. popular for one or two seasons, Weeds, Dexter, I could go on Shame. and on. United Shameless, United States of End it. It does not need to last more than five years. You can mm-hmm. end a show and you, the problem is, is they don't have auteur driven dramas. And so this is the rare case of why correctly we are moving ER forward, even though it has its bad seasons, it, it's sure. still better than, it's sure better than bad homeland for me. I think that it is a Mm -hmm. real statement, if we're going to talk about a zombie show that doesn't know when to die, that we're saying that ER is the better zombie show that doesn't know when to die. But we'll get to that in round two. So, (laughs) another (laughs) show, Hill Street Blues, a four-time Best Drama winner, closed the hatch on ABC's Lost, which had just one win. Before we move on, I would like to pay a little homage to Lost, which I really did think had a profound impact on TV overall. I mean... Uh, you want to talk about appointment viewing about water cooler shows. Holy shit. Lost, right? Like that first episode uh, was unbelievable. I think it's one of, it's still to this day is one of the best pilots I've ever watched. Also one of the most expensive pilots. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And every, every cent of that was on screen. You could see it. Mm -hmm. I remember watching me like, how did they shoot this? Like with the, the airline turbine on the beach and they're, I'm like, what but um it was the the this i think season one one didn't it yes yep and rightfully as it should have because season one probably was its best yeah um mm-hmm. it had no idea where they were going the returns hadn't started to quite diminish we were still like what does it mean the four toed statues um we were oh still wondering what's in the hatch exactly <laughs> um there was so many so, so much promise in season one and so very little of it came to mean anything but um that first season was excellent television and i don't think we would have many of the shows that we had post that without without lost it for, changed for good or for ill yeah right. but in terms of like what is expected or what is possible in terms of ambition for television like complete watershed moment 100 100 and so after season one gets pretty dicey but season one i do think is still deserving of a lot of the praise that it received um next up another unanimous victory with hbo's game of thrones a four-time best drama series conquering the quaint and quirky small town crimes of cbs's picket fences a two-time winner anybody want to say anything in defenses of picket fences I will. I loved I that was like the first like adult show that I felt like I watched as a kid, like for me. Um, I loved Kathy Baker, I loved Tom Scarrett. I thought like the the I mean there's something indelible about a David E. Kelly drama, honestly. It's so wordy and like and we'll talk about it when we talk about the practice. Um, but there's just like such a it's such a writerly show. Like the five-ish the five-ish Finkel character, mm-hmm. so fantastic. And you had just this like um, there was like a depth to it and a quirk and heart 
And it balanced all of those pretty well in the beginning. And it, and it was a solid show. Um, it is that very peak early 90s, like transition transition from like the eight, 80s dramas that were winding down into the early 90s dramas that were starting to pick up. And where I think a lot of shows like that were leaning into like that or sisters or things like that where it was like sisters i know i love that show so much was was (laughs) northern exposure after or concurrent with picket fences i think concurrent before Before and through like they were kind of connected didn't northern exposure win best drama too it did i think it actually Mm. won more than once it didn't make our lists but Yeah. yeah Yeah, I mean, it's just those types of shows that were maybe that earnestness of the 90s is very there. Um, With a little like Twin Peaks, too, right? They're like, tell me about this small town that's got something else going on. Yeah. With a lot less like. Menace. You know, red rooms yeah. and yeah, <laughs> like actually, that, that's a great point. See, Picket Fences is CBS's Twin yeah. Peaks, yeah. like yeah. it's their yeah. version of it. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. really what it is. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Kevin. Uh, finally, in round one, we were evenly split between the ethically questionable lawyers of ABC's The Practice, a two-time winner, and the ethically questionable cops of ABC's NYPD Blue, a one-time winner. Kevin, <laughs> speak legalese and plead the practice to the jury, Steve. Get Grim and Gritty with Sipowitz and NYPD Blue. And I'm going to have Steve go first. Well, Eric, you made my point. I mean, it was really the precursor to to Gritty. Like, it, yeah. it really felt like this was the first show that really leaned into a, a darker tone as far as police dramas went. Um, I mean, there were other shows that had darker moments but this really leaned into a darker tone it was like the first cop show that didn't really glorify the police force in the same way that other cop shows prior to that did and and, and frankly i think sipowitz was was almost our first anti-hero in a way you know like he he really Mm -hmm. didn't he didn't fit the mold of what we thought of as like a drama best actor or lead actor, I should say. You know, he was he had flaws, like real flaws, and 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 struggled throughout the course of the series. But and I loved NYPD Blue, but I would also like to take a spite moment to talk about the practice. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! I, Eddie, Eddie is I, Eric that was an actively bad show. Like what? Ooh. Um, I don't get I mean these characters aren't likable they're pious they're but no but it's not likable as an anti-hero I mean they're just like I didn't even care about them like they were just I I just and, and and as that series went on it just got really soapy and I mean, listen, I'll be honest with you. Like, I'm not the world's biggest David Kelly fan. Like, I'm just not. It's just not my cup of tea. And I'm not I'm not belittling him. I get the the merits of a, of of like you were saying, Kevin, like a talky drama. And and I love the West Wing, which we'll talk about later. But like I just I don't know. I just never got on board. And then James Spader got on board, and my God, I just couldn't. <laughs> I, I I really couldn't. And I tried to like the show. Like I was someone at the time that that show was on that wanted to be a lawyer and and now am a lawyer. And I was just, I couldn't with the practice. There was something about Dylan McDermott and Cameron Mannheim and I just couldn't get behind it. So I, 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 I definitely am, am behind NYPD blue on this one. 
I would like to say that on a personal note, I would love to get either behind or in front of Dylan McDermott, whichever way he wants to do it. Uh, Just do it in a rubber suit, especially modern, especially modern day Dylan McDermott. I'm fine with that rubber suit, whatever. No, he's on a very good aging plan. He is so yeah, absolutely. But I'm talking even back to Steel Magnolias because Jason was a fine and hanging man. (laughs) Kevin Dylan, take it away. Well, so I actually watched the first season of The Practice recently because I was like, I know we're going to talk about this show and I remember liking it, Um, but it's the only show on the list where I was like, I need to go back. Um, I'll be honest, I really rarely watched NYPD Blue. It was not a show for me. I never... I never got into it. I just never did. I was always an ER person. And to be honest with you, I thought NYPD stole a a lot of ER Emmys. That's me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think for me, the practice was the last network drama to make an impact here. Um, yeah, it was David E. Kelly trying to save network dramas. Like he was doing his edgy thing that he does, making the quirk come out. And that's the thing that stands out in this show as well. You have the show starts with these rough and tumble, like lawyers who really are super, like super not, they're not taken seriously. They run a practice for folks who are in and out of the carceral system and whatnot. But there's such, there's, again, it goes back to that thing that, that David E. Kelly Hart, they put their blood, sweat and tears into uh, defending folks who may not have the best defense possible. And I think that it was ahead of its time in like the way it looks at the legal system. Um, And I thought it was really good and fun. And I do think it was well acted Dylan, you made my points for me. Dylan McDermott, Cameron Manheim, Michael Bataluco, Laura Flynn Boyle, Stephen Harris, Holland motherfucking Taylor oh, as a judge, yeah. as a judge and Emmy winner. One of, I think, the best Emmy wins that they've ever given because she was essentially a guest star and won for that role. And she was so good and you had these wild guest stars like John Larroquette, who was essentially like a serial killer who was like kind of stalking the law firm. So you had the absurdity and like the fun mixed in with it. They did a crossover with Ali McBeal. I will say for this, I am largely, I go back and forth on how I'm judging and I'll be on, I'll name that for folks (laughs) because I'll say I am, I think both shows went off the rails. You know, both shows that's their both shows lost their stride. Yeah, the James Spader years of the practice, they suck. I couldn't uh he's always playing the same person now. It's not fun. He's he's playing James Spader. Every role is Ultron. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. It's literally that. You're a hundred percent right. How we all hated him as Ultron. How did that happen? (laughs) (laughs) He always plays. And yet somehow we all hated it. But is but is Ultron, all I could hear was James Spader, so Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think for me with this, I'm going, even though I do think the practice stole one of the Sopranos Emmys um, and they should have one win. um, uh, But I think both shows represent interesting pieces. I hear your points about NYPD Blue kind of, they really took the the same creator, Stephen Bochco, who did Hill Street Blues. He took his own tentpole and made it that gritty, more realistic 
things, but I th- and, and I think the practice did the same thing for the legal drama. It took sure. the I mean, like basic structures of the legal show and made it prettier and weirder and LA yeah. law, right? Um, yeah. And crossover with Ally McBeal. Um, they did a crossover episode with Ally McBeal, and who can't like that? Um, I mean, but I think. I think Come it's on. worth revisiting Ellie McBeal of the 2020s. That's probably Ooh, not going to go. That's probably, that's probably true. Oh, um, damn it. But I, I do want to put this one to a vote. Kate, where are you on this? I, so between the two of these, I actually didn't watch either of these shows. I've never seen a single episode of either of these shows. But based on my rubric of influence, aesthetic achievement, personal, whatever, influence, NYPD Blue was the first TV show that had butts. Yeah. Male mm-hmm. butts. So butts. Butts. Sure. Sure. wins by a butt that's a good butts. point that is a good point i it's funny when Thank steve you. was making his <laughs> butts and swearing too right wasn't there like they like said shit and stuff yeah that's true they did swear too yep. um i will say this that um steve was making his argument is a very good argument but i realized without sipowitz do we get tony soprano I'm not true. You're not wrong on that. Um, Not wrong. I think that really helped break the mold on what a leading actor could look like in a prestige drama. And that anti-hero, I think, has then, I mean, arguably, you could argue that Dylan McDermott's character is itself a bit of an anti-hero. So I think you have to give it to MIPD Blue there with the understanding that that show really does go off the rails in a very real way. And I'm not giving it for anything having to do with David Caruso. I never got the David Caruso thing. Not ever. No, Um, no, but it is. He's he's great in session nine, but nope. (laughs) All right. So we are going to advance to NYPD Blue and that is it for round one. We're going to take a quick break before returning with our ultimately unsatisfying conclusion that will never live up to this episode's early promise. We will be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to round two of our best Emmy winner for best drama series debate. While we were gone, the producers replaced Eric with James Spader. We're sure you won't mind. Before we get into the arguments, I'd like to ask my panel where people can find you on social media. Kate, take it away. So I'm on Twitter as myself, at Kate Reculia, though I'm not really on Twitter that much because mental health. Or if you want to look at pictures of my cats on Instagram, they're at GoMazRack and they're real cute. They are adorable. Kevin, you. how about yourself? You can find me on Twitter at ET Kevin's Mind, uh, or you can find me on Instagram at Kevin underscore Dylan underscore 23. Great. And how about you, Steve? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at S Nikoloff, N I K O L O F F E S Q. But I, I, I don't post a lot, but you can certainly yell at me if you'd like to. <laughs> Come for me, but you better be ready when you find me. <laughs> I think that's my tagline for the Real Housewives episode. There yeah, you go. Yeah, it is. I, I actually yeah, it think is. it is. It <laughs> is. Uh, and for me, you should definitely follow at Great Pop Culture Debate on Instagram and at Culture underscore Debate on Twitter. But you can feel free to follow at Eric Resniak. That is E R I C 
R-E-Z as in zebra, S as in snake, N as in Nancy, Y-A-K on both Twitter and the Instagram. So again, in a first for this podcast, the panel was unanimous in the majority of the round two decisions, but we're still going to talk about it because that's what we do with the good television. So first up in actual debate, three quarters of the panel is pushing Mad Men out of the Madison Avenue window and into the semifinals. But Steve wants to play politics by voting for the West Wing. Steve, you don't need to walk, but I do need you to talk about what you're, why you are a wingman. I will explain why I prefer to run, ride Don Draper's carousel any day. And yes, that is 100% a euphemism for John Hamm's nether regions. Steve, you go first. <laughs> I honestly don't know what people were smoking with Mad Men. I, I just never understood that show. But I'm going to start with my pros on The West Wing, because The West Wing is probably my favorite show in this whole bracket, like I, I, I love the West Wing and it came out right at the right time for me. I was in college in the late 90s and that's when this show came out and we had West Wing Wine Wednesday. So there's a bit of a nostalgia factor, but going to the actual show, like it was great. And, and OK, I will be the first to admit that seasons one through four, when Aaron Sorkin was there, were by far the best. And season five was a mess. But mm-hmm. season six is season six and seven, when Alan Alda showed up and Jimmy Smith showed up and we had an actual campaign. I feel like the show found its footing again and it had fun characters. It had great actors. I mean, it, how many West Wing actors won an Emmy? I mean, I, I can't even count them on one hand. I mean, it was it was all of them. And except for poor Martin Sheen, I don't understand that. But to this day, that's crazy. And, yeah. It's he was like the only one. Um, and, and Rob Lowe, but you know, but, but it, it look in today's world, I know that the West wing seems a little schlocky given the political climate that we're in, but it was supposed to be a bit of a salve on the George W. Bush administration when it was written. And, and that's where we are. And 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 the last thing I'll say about the West Wing is it's so rewatchable. Everyone rewatches the West Wing. I mean, my gosh, HBO made a whole live episode of one of the episodes of the West Wing. And and, and I don't know who sits and rewatches Mad Men. I mean, other than Eric to watch John Hamm, but you know, I don't know what I have. <laughs> I have so many I just, I, 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 look, Mad Men was visually stunning and and I loved some of the episodes of that show, but just as a whole, I just didn't understand the character of Don Draper. Like I just didn't fully understand whether we were supposed to root for him or against him was he a hero indeed indeed and 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 also i actually think that madman was a bit of peggy's story indeed don Don draper's yes and and i just thought that muddied the storyline a lot i wasn't sure where to go with madman and frankly i'll also say and then i'm done is (laughs) god some of those storylines were so slow like i just Holy Matt, why is Matt not Matt Weiner? What was his Matt Weiner? Weiner, yeah, Weiner? Yeah. Weiner. yeah. I mean, first of all, those next episode ons were epic, but also, <laughs> yes. like, I just I don't know, I just didn't fully get Mad Men. That maybe that's just me. 
Well, I want to say, first of all, it was an excellent argument for the West Wing yeah. because you made several very good points. And I do think of all the Sorkin shows, it is by far his most successful. Absolutely. Like, by a wide mile. Um, I, I actually love the fact that it's a little bit schlocky at this point. I think there's a nostalgia factor there. And it also will 100% back up your argument that there are people who watch West Wing over and over and over again. It is a comfort show for people. I'm one of them. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's like a, a safety blanket almost there's something about it that really resonates and and feels wholesome to people in a way it's this is such a bad comparison but i'm going to make it anyway it's almost like the american equivalent of the great british bake-off for people like you just put it on and you (laughs) feel better about life Mm -hmm. um that that's what i'm gonna say regarding Mad Men, i love Mad Men, and i 100 do get Mad Men, and you are correct that are we supposed to root for Don Draper or not? That is one of the central questions. Who is Don Draper? Don Draper doesn't exist. He's right. completely made up. And uh, not to get all highfalutin, but I actually wrote this up. So I'm actually going to oh, read my do it. notes. Do oh, it. Do it. Go for it. I know. I know. I wrote- we love preparation. We love preparation H. Specifically. I've got to say that. Stole <laughs> <laughs> uh, your joke. Sorry. Yay, logic. Um, so, um, um, let me start by saying Mad Men was a huge bet for everybody involved. It was a period piece starring largely unknown talent, and it was about advertising. Do you know who cares about in the inner workings of the advertising world? Literally no one who does not work in the advertising world. Nobody cares. It's kind of like journalism. How many journalism shows actually are successful, right? But of course, it was about so much more than advertising. It was a pointed critique of post-World War II America and the massive cultural shifts that were going on in the 50s through the 60s. For all the progress that was made, there was an equal pushback by the establishment, which is kind of the undercurrent of Mad Men, right? Like, we get Dawn into the system as their first black secretary, and immediately she is meant to feel like an outsider and just absolutely terrible uh, over and over and over again. And that's just one example. But those were the parts of Mad Men that really slapped me in the face. I remember going home for Thanksgiving uh, the year the first was on, and and I was saying to my father about the show, were people really so openly anti-Semitic in the 1950s? And he's like, oh my God, constantly. Are you kidding me? Let's like we would just say that stuff out loud. And I am saying using the we there to refer to him. That is deliberate. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> so uh, like it was kind of rediscovering ripping down that wallpaper that we all like to look at as that nostalgia 1950s and really examining what the reality was like for middle-class America, which is another really important part of why I think Mad Men was important. It captures the middle class and that no longer exists in the 21st century. The middle class life that exists in Mad Men is, was, was not possible pre Mad Men and it's no longer possible in America. That's fascinating. And um, to me, one of the parts, and I'm totally just lost my part in my script because I was ad-libbing. Um, <laughs> there we go. So uh, it is a very personal story about one man or a shell of a man who basically cons his way into this incredible career and a life he throws away more than once. But what I found so fascinating about the show over and over and over again was how it told that story of America at its peak warts and all and you mentioned that it's also a peggy story it is it's 100 as much as it's dawn story it's Peggy's story and frankly it's also um a uh, little sally draper's story sally! And, like sabrina there's, yeah there's so many amazing arcs in this show um you mentioned how it's gorgeous the mid-century sets the clothes the people we can go on about the cast but i'm rambling 
and we're running out of podcasts. So I'm going to throw it to votes. <laughs> Kevin, what do you think? Oh, I'm mad, man. I think it's an exquisite show. I, it's, 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 it's top tier for me. All right, Kate. Mad Men, it's one of my top three favorite shows of all time. So, Steve, are you going to be incredibly upset? Because I know West Wing was your ultimate winner. If it we was, it. but at the same point in time, like, if I'll be honest, if Mad Men had featured Peggy instead of Don, I probably would have loved it. But mm. would people have watched it is the question. And mm-hmm. yeah, huh, he's, he's the Trojan. Hard. He's the Trojan mid-century man. Yeah. No, he, I, yeah. But no, I will not be upset. Mad Men was a great show. Great. Thank you for being a good sport. <laughs> um, next in a crook out, the panel unanimously agreed that HBO's The Sopranos should keep on believing as it dragged AMC's Breaking Bad out to the Pine Barrens. Another unanimous victory as ER proved the superior NBC drama defunding the police of Hill Street Blues. And finally, in round two, a third unanimous victory, this time with HBO's Game of Thrones raining blood and fire down on NYPD Blue. Kind of like to really imagine them fighting each other absolutely <laughs> I, I actually that is some fan fiction that needs to happen right there Sipowitz <laughs> versus Rhaegar Targaryen but, um, butts, butts on butts on butts just wait for House of Dragons or whatever that's called yes uh, uh, I hope that they find some wig moisturizer between the, uh, the trailer and that, and that show because I was just like Woo, crispy, crispy go to crispy. any drag queen's closet in an WeHo And you are going to find better wigs, ladies and gentlemen. So with that said, we are at a final four of The Sopranos versus Mad Men and ER versus Game of Thrones. I always like to take a step back here and see if that makes sense to me. Uh, I think the fact that three quarters of those are premium cable show actually does make sense. Yep. Given how cable really transformed what we think of as prestige TV in the past 20 years. Like, I was making the list of all the shows that have ever won, and it was really gobsmacking the massive jump that started to happen in the 90s. But then you get to the 2000s, and holy cats, it's like a completely different ballgame. It's a seismic shift, yeah. Well, ER, The Practice, and The West Wing were the last ones to win from broadcast. Not the last ones to win, but the last, like, dynasty of broadcast. That was yeah. It's so true. And those are all great examples of tremendous broadcast television. They really are. Um, The fourth, speaking of which, the fourth is one of the longest running dramas in TV history, which was itself prestige for at least the first half of its run. So um, (laughs) personally, I dig it, even if it is strange to me that like only one of the that one of these shows only won the best drama series award one time. That's interesting to me that we got someone into that final that it only won once. So, Who only won the one time? ER. It only won one year. What? I think it was season wow. two. Wow. Yeah, God. I think it was season was that, two. That was the Doug Ross tracheotomy season. I bet. We'll, we'll uh, talk, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the fact that it <laughs> okay, only okay, has okay. two wins. Speaking <laughs> of which, let's... Let's get to these, uh, these, uh, what is it? The quarterfinals? Yeah. Uh, I know sports. So the, it's the, the Sopranos versus Mad Men. I'm going to go around the horn here first. Um, Kevin, where are you on this? This is a really hard one to be honest with you um, for me, uh, because I think they're both excellent shows. Um, both actually Matthew Weiner involved in both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, Matthew Weiner was involved for the Sopranos wins. Yeah. Um which I think is is a testament to his capability to elevate and create some of the best television drama of all time. I am going to ultimately go with The Sopranos. 
largely because I think the sum total of its parts is what created the modern uh, uh, cable drama series and created the blueprint for what we have. These two, in all honesty, would be my final two if they were indifferent. Like these would be, I think, the two that I'd be wrestling with in the end if there were no brackets, if you will. Um, so like for me, they're the, they're the best two that exist. Um, and, and I think they're just really, really great representations of, of, of humanity, uh, and its flaws and all its, uh, nuts and bolts, but I'm going to go Sopranos. Okay. Steve, how about you? Um, well, I mean, I think I've made my thoughts on <laughs> Mad Men known. Um, so, uh, n- you know, next week on Kevin Dillon, look for the Sopranos, but, I'm I'm also going with The Sopranos. (laughs) All right, Kate. So here's where I admit that I've literally never seen a single episode of The Sopranos. No, and the podcast. And the podcast. (laughs) I know. I know. know. Don't even know. I I watched the, 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 the... the what's that new movie called? It's escaping me. I watched oh, like on the first many weekend. Many Saints of Newark. Many Saints of Newark. Thank you. Yep. I, in some ways, like, like I just didn't have access to HBO when it was on. And like, I've kind of been saving it for myself. I'm sure I will absolutely love it. But, you know, in my special sauce of influentialness, you know, aesthetic object. My you own. lived next to New Jersey. I, I well, not when I was not when it was happening. I was in Boston. <laughs> Still closer to New Jersey. I know, honestly, but it just I I Mad Men speaks to my soul. I have rewatched seasons of Mad Men, whole seasons, multiple times. I. Like it is in the same way that Dick Wolf <laughs> put together <laughs> a cop show and a legal show. This is a period drama and a serial drama, right? And and I think what makes this show feel different to me uh, in comparison to a Breaking Bad, right? Which like you can see how we can see why whoever was making decisions at AMC picked up these two shows almost simultaneously, right? Um, that it has this kind of like real hard aesthetic vision and style and setting and is about this sort of slippery like white male main character, um, which I think in some ways, and I know it's not fair to the Sopranos that I'm like, Oh, I don't want to watch another anti-hero story. Uh, but like, I just, I'm part of, I'm kind of weary <laughs> to like start that show, which I know is unfair. But anyway, what I think feels so different about Mad Men is they, I never even feel as though it is passively valorizing him in some ways. It mm-hmm. always kind of knows he's an asshole yeah, mm-hmm. and always kind That's of, fair. you know, has all these other characters. Peggy is in it from the beginning in just as much of a way and Joan is, and there's all of this incredible cast of characters and people in this place and time that is about mid-century America. It is about a time when middle-class aspirational American dream was something you could actually achieve during a time of great social change. It is also very much about post 9-11 America, Mm -hmm. another time of like conservatism contracting against great social change. But it's also because it's about advertising, it's about capitalism, too, and how so much of America's false sense of itself was sold to itself, like, like, like explicitly sold to itself by skilled artists. And that is madness, right? Like Mad Men is not just Madison Avenue. It's about the American madness. And it's so beautiful. Um, 
I loved reading uh, Tom and Lorenzo's uh, fashion recaps of every episode. And Janie, I can't think of her last name, but the costume designer, like how much thought went into every single piece of clothing that everyone was wearing. Uh, Matthew Weiner lists Alfred Hitchcock as a major cinematic influence. Wong Kar Wai as a major cinematic influence. Like it's just such an unbelievably gorgeous, rich text that like is not just not really... It is about the rot <laughs> and how how we think about what we think the past was, right? The American misconception of who we are and what our past was and what that means about who we are. Now, could I, like, knowing that Matthew Weiner went, like, from Sopranos to this, right? Like, Sopranos is still kind of the, the like, seed for where Mad Men came from. And I found a quote where he was actually talking about how uh, no spoilers, whatever, it's been years, but the baby that Peggy has at the end of the first season that she gives up for adoption and like just, you know, Don holds her hand and says it will, uh, it's something like it will amaze you how much this never happened or it will shock you yes. how much this never happened. Um, it's such a, speaking of writerly shows and that weird pacing and like that it's so literary in the way that it unfolds. Anyway, uh, that was an idea that Matthew Weiner got after working on The Sopranos and seeing kind of what The Sopranos was capable of presenting psychologically, narratively. So that's kind of part of my argument. But the other thing, too, I want to talk about is that Mad Men is the one of the great prestige 21st century memeable shows this show lives in memes forever <laughs> not great bob like <laughs> and the, yeah the, and the way people it you know for a show that is about surfaces its surface kind of really speaks to 21st century internet culture in a really interesting way and that i think is why it is such a rich text and why it is one of my favorite shows of all time mad men so you're voting for sopranos no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> um, he, this is going to be a weird argument and people are going to get mad at me. Um, which show do I personally like more? Mad Men. Which yep. show do I think is a more interesting and more resonant show for me? Mad Men. Which show am I going to put forward here? Sopranos. Why? Not because I don't want to have a tie, but I also don't want to have a tie in the final. <laughs> but also in terms of its impact on the industry yeah. as a whole, yeah. you cannot undercount how big of a change Sopranos made for television. Um, it, it blew the doors wide open. And I, I, I've said this on other ones, t on other episodes before that, mobster shows and movies genuinely just do not interest me it's there's something about it it's like sports i'm just like oh yay male pain great um but um i i obviously sopranos deals with it in a much more interesting way with many more layers complicated characters it's um very i mean it's stylistic in its own way is it as stylistic as Mad Men? not in it's not even in the same zip code it's not in the same uh i, I don't know italian province um but <laughs> i i think that it is for when it came out very stylistic and i think the fact that it's so open to interpretation and people were able to project themselves perhaps to their detriment culturally in a lot of these characters um it really, just as much as Mad Men resonates with the um, post-war America, and I think, Kate, you make a great point how it also was echoed in a post-911 America. Yep. Um, 
Sopranos really resonates very much with the generations we're dealing with right now. There's a lot of truth there. So for that reason, I am moving forward Sopranos, even though of the two, I would much prefer to watch Mad Men. That's just me personally. So uh, that is three to one Sopranos. Moving on, it's ER versus Game of Thrones. I want to start with Kate. Uh, I'm going to give it to ER. You are wild, but go I know. on. I know. I'm a chaos agent. Yep. Uh, so ER, I remember also, you know, it's kind of a very early show for when I started to be, um, you know, conversant in pop culture writing for uh, HJ, which like now I'm like, HJ, did we think about that acronym? <laughs> I certainly did. I, 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 I was innocent. Anyway, it was the name of the like, it was written um, by high school, teenage high schoolers in the area where Eric and I grew up. Eric and I were both HJ writers. <laughs> um, but, but that was such a defining, you know, moment for me to be a teen reporter, to be able to write about culture and stuff. So anyway, I was, I knew what ER was and it was like ER and Chicago Hope are coming out at the same time. Who's going to win? Obviously ER, but it was just such a, Everybody watched it and it was such a beautifully made cinematic show that human that had all these different characters and all these different stories. Um, And I just think that it really in terms of what TV looked different after ER, too. Right. Like it looked different in terms of how complex um, of a story people could get into for years and years and years. Yes, it did kill what's his face with a helicopter and oh my fucking god. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. <laughs> it was kind of amazing. And and so I think that I'm putting I'm saying ER over Game of Thrones because I think Game of Thrones is ER with tits and dragons. And like it's, you know, in terms of the sort of and better written, wildly and better written, large, written women. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and, and just like, I mean, Game of Thrones, like I, I fell down that hole just like everybody else. But I'll tell you what, I got to the episode where Jamie and Cersei after what's his, after their kid died, Joffrey and Joffrey, Joffrey, which was amazing. I like stuck in to see Joffrey die. And I just like, they're like, Oh, this is kind of rapey. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to, I don't want to watch this. And I stopped and I didn't miss anything. And, and I feel like in terms of. Game of Thrones looked effing incredible. Like, it looked incredible, but like diminishing returns up the wazoo. So, and ER went on way too long, but in terms of a thing that employed a lot of people (laughs) for like two decades, I think, I I just think it's a more impressive achievement to me. Interesting. As always, Kate, you you make the hottest takes, um, and I'm always so glad that that you're here. Thank Uh, you. Steve, your take. Also, George Clooney. Sorry, George Clooney. George fucking Clooney. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I I think that going to what Eric said, like Game of Thrones. Okay, I'm not going to sit here and defend the last couple seasons of Game of Thrones, but I don't think Kate's going to sit here and defend the no, last few no. seasons of ER. Ten, and I'll so, go and say. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the, the helicopter death occurred in there, and I will I will defend that until the day I die. <laughs> but what I will say is Game of Thrones really threw the doors open in a way that hadn't been done before for a different genre of show. It wasn't a law show. It wasn't a mob show. It wasn't a politics show. It wasn't a police show. It was a genuine fantasy. And, you know, I mean, listen, I I, I, I will f- be the first to acknowledge that season 
was it eight i think eight seven or a nightmare i don't know like if you read the books i'm not going to go in the books i'm not that guy but my point ultimately being is that the first couple seasons of game of thrones were phenomenal i mean yes okay kevin i hear what you're saying about women being written poorly but we also have to talk about time periods and things like that but also going back to what we were talking about before who wasn't talking about game of thrones at some point at the quote unquote water cooler, even if it was in your home, you know, it, it was, it was a real zeitgeist. Frankly, I think it's going to be the last water cooler show that we ever have. Uh, you know, oh, I, I, think I don't that know. We are, what's that? I don't know, but I don't know about that. I think I, that that's a little, that's giving game of Thrones way too much credit. I, think. I, I just think that in this world of binge television, it's harder for everyone to be at the same place at the same time sure. on the same series to but, talk about a show without spoiling. I'm even just thinking about like Ted Lasso. I'm ahead of my friends who are behind. My point ultimately being is that this was appointment television and, and people really watched it. And my gosh, if you didn't have a party when the season premiere of two of or three of Game of Thrones came on, I, I just think that it really opened some doors in a way that the Emmys hadn't in a while of a show that was really in the zeitgeist. And and so I think that ER is a great show. Look, I'm not going to knock it. I watched ER. I loved it. People- but I really think that Game of Thrones was a different kind of show that finally won an Emmy. And and we had, you know, other kinds like it. But I just think that it, it, it really, you know, all the 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 downside aside and and there's a lot of downside but at the same <laughs> point in time it was different yeah but agreed completely kevin oh er sorry oh, yeah. I, 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 hands Yay! down sorry yeah no 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 no. game of thrones is 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 a fine show the fact that it has won four times though is wild to me i think and it ER is, won well, i'll give you that it, it is shouldn't have won four maybe times. deserving of one win it, it shouldn't maybe... be on the same level as uh, L.A. Law and and uh, and Mad Men and all that, that and West Wing. It shouldn't be on there. Wild, wild. I think ER is actually the show that should have four wins uh, between one. the two of them because yeah, a, and it only has one because that. Let me tell you, you want to talk about appointment television? That show was. Mm-hmm. It was. appointment television it when we were kelly, talking about it in middle school yep when kelly when kelly martin gets mm-hmm. killed when yep. dr green dies in hawaii uh. the flood with george clooney juliana margulies and her drug problem yep. Noah, i remember watching that george yep. clooney tracheotomy episode i remember watching yep. it like, uh, Noah Wiley and Eric LaSalle creating that teacher mentor relationship while Eric LaSalle being that like assertive teacher who's like, I'm going to make you better by being harder on you. Laura Ennis and her mm-hmm. like being that like pre Bailey Bailey yes, from Grey's yes, Anatomy. So true. You know, you had all of these people and then even the next generation when it's, when it took its shift and some of those folks left, you then veered into Gloria Rubens mm-hmm. and, um, Alex oh my Kingston. God, Alex yep. Kingston, Maura, Maura yep. Tierney and oh, Sally, Fe- Sally Fields. It is some of the best acting 
I've ever seen in television drama. It's so epically good. And it's a show I honestly keep meaning to go back and rewatch. I just don't want to cry. Um, (laughs) um, I'll be honest, and I know I will. Um, It it was my favorite drama growing up. It's why I was shading NYPD Blue before, because (laughs) they won all them damn Emmys. And I'm like, you had some, you were fine, guys, I guess. But like, ER's right there. ER's right there. And um, it, it advanced it, the hospital drama to the nth degree. Like, it wasn't like, oh, my God, Timmy's going to cut. What are we going to do? It's like, no, no, no. This is what an ER is like. And this is how we navigate that. And Kyle Richards was a nurse as an extra. <laughs> so that, uh, by that principle, ER, baby. No, it's, like, just, it's just a great show. I, like, great show. hear the theme song. And when it, it's so, it's just such. A, and then you see Eric LaSalle doing the fist pump. Like, yep. <laughs> so it was good. actually nominated. The series finale was actually nominated for best writing. Ah, so, I remember watching that too. I don't remember what happened. I remember Carter was old. They all came back and they donated money to keep the hospital going. I mean, and as Kate and I, who both uh, worked in healthcare fundraising, <laughs> get a test. Thank you, uh, donors. <laughs> thank you, donors. <laughs> thank you. Um, but, uh, okay, uh, let me say this. Going into this matchup, I was like, this is so c- clearly Game of Thrones. Um, and I think Kate and, and Kevin have made excellent <laughs> points. But Kevin made an interesting statement where he said that the acting was epically good. I don't understand how we were having this discussion and the term epic is being applied to ER and not Mm -hmm. to Game of Thrones, Mm -hmm. which is, in my opinion, the most epic show of the past 20 years, at least. Mm -hmm. Um, I hear your criticisms about the women being poorly written, and I'm going to respectfully And also just like the top there's just a lot like there's just a lot of rapiness. But if I I may, Eric, and I apologize (laughs) for interrupting you. No, you're fine. If, if I made a Kevin's point of water cooler moments, if you want to talk about water cooler moments, like the helicopter crash, I mean, when when Ned Stark was beheaded or the Red Wedding, I mean, there are YouTube threads that are solely devoted to people watching the Red Wedding for the first well, time. Well, if that, if like, ER was around, when yeah. Twitter was around, it would be the same, it would be thing. The same thing. I'm just I saying there are water it, cooler yeah. moments in Game of Thrones, too. Uh, yes, absolutely. Are. And I would sure. argue there sure. are as many water cooler moments in Game of Thrones with probably an eighth of the episode count as there are in all of ER. And it's a little bit unfair to compare these two, right? Because yeah. it's tough. Um, yeah, ER hard. had like... 9,000 episodes <laughs> <laughs> and Game of Thrones had like I think 80 but pound for pound which show is better um, I, I, I'm going to go back to my point I actually about the women characters are, are poorly written this is fantasy and um, as Not someone, an who's, excuse. Actually, as someone <laughs> who's read yeah. the books and watched the show I argue that there are many very well written and drawn female characters in that sh- uh, in that show. Cersei it's, Lannister, just uh, for one, and the until is, the very end. I think they were arguing that Cersei is a poorly written wo- woman ca- female character. Oh, I disagree. I actually I think I actually think she's I, I I actually think she's the best written character. Yeah, I think she's the best one. I think yeah. she's great. Brienne of Tarth is amazing. Fucking Arya is incredible. The arc that you get with Sansa is amazing. By the way, shameless plug: if you have not listened to <laughs> our 
season one episode of Best Game of Thrones character. I see what you did Go there. check that out because uh, <laughs> we really get into it. Um, but I really don't think that the, I think, frankly, if we're going to talk about recency bias here, I think there is such a knee jerk reaction to anti Game of Thrones because of that last season. People fucking hate that show right now. And that's I hope not why I'm voting against it. I actually like the last season. So I did you're too. not losing me there. You know, I will defend that last season uh, besides the pacing, which is a problem. But in terms yes. of like the actual what happens in it, I have no problems with that. I actually think it works completely with the narrative. And if you disagree, I don't think you were paying attention. That's just my opinion. Um, but I'm not going to discount the arguments made by Team ER here because you make some very good ones where, like Kate, I was obsessed with that show in high school. Like I, I was I watched every episode. I was like total ride or die ER for at least the first seven seasons. I never missed an episode. And I oh, never me did. too. Me too. And I'm arguing for Game of Thrones, too. But me too. I love that show. I just think in terms of the overall scope and achievement, what Game of Thrones did is on a completely different level. ER changed the game. No question. Was it Kevin said that that leveled up hospital dramas? Yes. Yep. But I think it's been one-upped already. I think uh, Grey's Anatomy has one-upped Oh, ER. no, 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 no. ER's way better than... No, 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 no. You can't... Those two are like... That's like comparing... No, 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 no. 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 I'm sorry. The, the Grey's Anatomy musical episode begs to differ. <laughs> I, I think if you're trying to say that ER was not a soap in Scrubs... I think that is false. I but think an it elevated is... and well-written soap and scrubs. Okay, fair. It um, was Dallas. It was Dallas. ER was Dallas and Dynasty. Yes. Grays is like models, models, models Inc. <laughs> yeah, models Inc. Inc. Sorry, no shade. But well, you it was know like what it is. <laughs> ER, ER is the soap, but it's it's a workplace drama. It's the West Wing. Like it, that's that's right. what ER sets it up. It does the have West a lot Wing. in common with the yeah. West Wing. That's true. No. Game of Thrones is also a workplace, a workplace drama. to be a medieval kingdom involving dragons. Where was oh my god. at the wall? That's all I have to say. Oh my god. Hilarious. I can't. HR should have been involved with the White Walkers. We could have saved a lot of trouble. Like I'm still I'm still ride or die with ER in terms of like like I just like it better like yeah like it's in another universe like it better but I also there is something to be said in terms of like a filmmaking tv making achievement it is it's different yes. it's a different scale it's sort of like what if the new adventures of Hercules was at a degree of writing and filmmaking but it's not just that it's also the fact that it's i mean my god we had saint elsewhere we had chicago hope we had er they're not all the same quality what i'm saying is game of thrones was so different and it has spawned an entire new uh i mean we've got the lord of the Rings show that's coming up on unfortunately Amazon. a little bit to be honest like this is my problem with shows like game of thrones they always spawn like and it's my problem with lost they always spawn yeah. these knockoffs yeah. that are just not as good, not good. the but, boston legals of game of thrones exactly exactly <laughs> exactly we don't know that yet we don't know that yet would we have eric, something look at the wigs eric look at okay. the wigs. yes thank you thank but you Steve. Have Lovecraft Company. Lovecraft Company. <laughs> Company. Lovecraft Lo Country. If we didn't have Game of Thrones, sure. would we have Watchmen? That's true. If we didn't have Game uh, of Thrones, uh, 
I don't know that those yeah, are. I think def- we have Watchmen. Watchmen's more of a comic book drama yeah. than it is a fantasy drama. But I feel like my argument against that is is that those shows center on blackness. Sure. Game of Thrones definitely does That's not center point. on blackness. <laughs> it most certainly does not. Um, <laughs> no. Yes. No. <laughs> uh, okay. So, I, are we at a stalemate here, Steve? Are you sticking with your your choice? You know what? Honestly, I I am I, I, and. And I don't want to stalemate because I think both of these shows are excellent. And I already know who I'm voting for in the next round. Right. So right, it doesn't yeah. really matter. That's true. That's but true. Go ahead. Okay. So that's a great question here. Let's say, let's say we give a bye to these two shows. And it's actually a final three of ER okay. versus okay. Game okay. of Thrones versus Sopranos. Let's just, let's just have that philosophical rhetorical moment, right? By the way, if you're listening, the minisodes always, this happens every time with the minisodes. <laughs> it does. Because it does. There are there's no, no rankings. That's right. There's no seeds and they're all very intensely personal decisions. And um, it used to drive me crazy, but now I actually respect it. And it means that people are invested in what we're talking about. So I'm going to ask the, the panel, let's say it's those final three. It's Sopranos, ER, Game of Thrones. Kate, which one are you going with? I, despite of the three, the show that I like the best is ER, I would vote for The Sopranos. Kevin? Sopranos. Steve? Yeah, it changed the game, The Sopranos. That's exactly what, and that was my <laughs> final yep. pick too. Yep. And yeah. uh, I think that is, I'm going to call it a draw for ER versus versus Game of Thrones. I think yeah. they are both really excellent shows. Um and Look at you, if, Kofi Annan. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you see Cersei, tell her it was me. I want her to know. Shame. Shame. Um, R.I.P. Diana Rigg. <laughs> oh God. Um, but no, I think that is the correct way to move forward here with the Sopranos as yeah. our unanimous winner. And I yeah. think I think it's the right choice. I feel good about it. It's the right choice. So there you have it, folks. Our pick for the best Emmy winner for best drama is The Sopranos. Do you agree with our choice? Do you demand an audit from the accounting firm Ernst & Young? Let us know your pick by leaving a comment on this episode at greatpopculturedebate.com or yell at us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. While you're there, make sure you like and subscribe for more Great Pop Culture Debate content. Thank you to my panelists. I would name all of you in my Emmy acceptance speech, and God help the sound producer who dares to play, to play me off. Uh, thank Steve in particular for being an amazing Patreon supporter and for sponsoring this episode. And thank you for listening. Until next time, remember, everyone is entitled to their wrong opinions. <laughs> <laughs>